0: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Lock Talk Radio. The
2: world will get no better if we just let it be. Na, 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 na. The world will get no better got
1: to change it, yeah. Just
2: you and me. hello, everyone. This is Michelle Pope, your host here at Life is a Sacred Journey. I'm so thankful to be back here with you and all of our listeners. um I'm back here with you and you're here with me, and I want to thank you for your continued support um. Every time that we broadcast a show, I'm just amazed and in awe, and I've said this for the last year and a half, every single time that I look at the numbers and the growing numbers, I want you to continue to share Life is a sacred journey with people that you know. Um, we we want more listeners. We want to get out there and share the information that we're bringing. The wealth um, over the last year. Um, I just want to thank every guest that has been on the show. We've had some incredible guests, and so I'm just I'm so excited about that. And the next year, because Life is a Sacred Journey became a year old this year. I mean, this week. And that has been a very exciting um, birthday anniversary for us. And so to all the the listeners out there, there's about 12,000 of you that come back either through live listening or podcasts, um, month after month, show after show, broadcast after broadcast. And so I just want to thank you. I want to invite you to invite more people um, that believe the way that we believe, as well as invite those people who are looking for food for thought um, we all know that the more we learn, the more that we reach out into the world and share our own personal path, we connect with each other. And so we, we need to be doing that as a human race and as a collective. So thank you for joining uh, Life is a Sacred Journey. If you want to call in throughout the show, please feel free to pick up your phone and call us at 949-270-5908. We'd love to have your questions and comments. Um, So let's get to today's topic, and also, before I get to today's topic, another shout-out to my producer, Nkati Akabwe, who puts together this show. Um, When we come together, he puts together the broadcast. He makes sure all the guests are informed about our mission and vision for Life is a Sacred Journey. So I want to thank my producer, Nkati Akabwe, for his support and hard work. Let's get to today's topic. Um, I am I am overwhelmed and and just in awe that we were able to get Jane Heller to join us today. I'm excited about that. I love the title of today's show, um, which is the title of her book, uh, one of her many books that we will be discussing among some other things. Um, and it's you you'll bet you better not die or I'll kill you. It's sort of like being a mom when you see your kid chase the ball out into the street and you grab the child and you say, don't you do that or I'll kill you, when you were trying to keep them from being killed by a car. So it's a wonderful um, reaction to stress. It's a wonderful reaction to that moment of helplessness that sometimes we all feel. But it's also a portal to the place in our heart that helps us to find humor in, in everything that we do. And so Jane and I will explore that. Um, one, the title of the book, as well as some other thoughts that you that, that she has around caregiving. So um, if you find that you're not sleeping well, something that Michelle Pope doesn't do very well, which, which is sleeping, I've been an insomniac forever, but a lot of it has to do with the responsibilities of my life. But if you're not sleeping well, you're getting into more arguments than you normally had uh, in the past. You have feelings of hopelessness or thoughts of hurting yourself or the person you're caring for, I want you to stop and think. If you know somebody that this, um, these words painted a picture of, stop and think about that person. Stop and think about the content of this show. Get a pad of paper. Get a pencil or pen. Turn on your MP3. Record the show. Go back to the podcast. But stop and think About the content of this show because it's going to help you to not, um, I'm not going to say be a better caregiver, but be an enlightened caregiver because the more enlightened we become about the situations that we have to live in on a day-to-day basis, it gives us coping skills. It gives us mechanisms to navigate whatever situation we're we're living in. And so today's show is going to put you in a situation where you stop and think in capital letters. You probably have people close to you telling you to slow down and get some help if you're a caregiver. You absolutely need to consider the possibility that you are burning out. Burnout is a term that's used for all type A people. We burn out from time to time. Uh, but caregivers burn out, I think, in a in a, um in an increased amount um, more than those of us who are just type A personalities because they're dealing with caring for their loved one, navigating their work situation, navigating their home environment. So we, we want our caregivers to know, you may think you're alone, but you're not. Well, here's some statistics for you. You know I always like to give you the numbers so you understand where all this comes together. There are 65 million people like yourself providing care for a chronically ill, disabled or aged family member, friend, spouse or just someone that you are helping, so you may be a secondary caregiver. and that's um, reported from AARP. That is 29 percent that is 29 percent of the U.S. population. Caregiving can bring many positives into your life, but it's also hard work physically and emotionally. If you don't take enough self-care to replenish yourself, then caregiver stress, anxiety, and depression can build. Our guest, New York Times and US Today best-selling author Jane Heller has 20 years of firsthand experience. She wrote a whole book about her caregiving journey, growing up with a mother who nursed two sick husbands. Her father died of brain cancer and her stepfather suffered complications, excuse me, from epilepsy. Jane had a close-up look at her mom's demanding role as a spousal caregiver. She was determined to take a different path and marry for health, in quotes. I'm gonna ask her about that. Instead, she fell in love with Michael Forrester, and he was an architectural photographer who had been diagnosed at age 11 with severe Crohn's, an incurable autoimmune disease of the digestive system. Jane was ill-equipped to take care of Michael, not to mention take care of herself. But over the course of her 20-year marriage, she became his helpmate. She became someone who had to learn how to navigate the healthcare system, take charge of her own health, and develop a passion for reaching out to other caregivers, whether they're caring for a child with autism or an aging parent with Alzheimer's. In her latest book, you better not die or I'll kill you. <laughs> a caregiver survival guide to keeping you in good health and good spirits. She recounts her journey as a caregiver with the humor and compassion for which she's well known. She shares her personal, candid, often hilarious thoughts about everything from how to get on a nurse's good side and why men should never go to the ER without a woman along to why caregivers need mental vacations. And now, um, we were just talking earlier, um, her 96 year old mom is beginning to have memory loss. And she counsels other adult children on when to move mom or dad into assisted living or skilled nursing or how to broach the subject of living wills and how to handle sibling rivalry and all of the things that you know we've talked about on this show. She is a person that has become also someone who has pulled in, which I love. She's combined all the resources of people who are notable experts in such fields as palliative care, spiritual care, which is a big one for me, senior housing, psychotherapy, nutrition, meditation, and fitness, all things that have to do not only with caregiving, but living well, living well in this country and living well as you you age until your elderhood. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jane before I ask her to join us in this conversation. I found her funny, and I also found her inspiring. At the same time, there were a few little stories in her book that also made me shed Tears. Um, so I just, I just found the book to be an incredible resource. So if, if you write this down, you better not die, or I'll kill you. A caregiver's survival guide to keeping you in good health and good spirits by Jane Heller. And that's Jane H E L L E R. Go on her website. You can order it from there. Um, that's where I order it, um, ordered it from, or go into your local local bookstore, pick some up. The holiday season is coming. If you have a caregiver, friend, family member, or yourself, buy multiple copies and give it away as a gift. Look at it as something that will help somebody as they journey through this incredible journey of caregiving. I also found out that Jane has 13 other novels that are romantic comedies, um, nine of which she sold to Hollywood for film and television. They're laugh out loud and entertaining. The one that I was just so enamored by because those of you who know me, I'm a native New Yorker and I'm a Yankee fan. Um, All my neighbors here in California see me with my Yankee cap on every morning as I run through the park. Um, Concessions of a She-Fan. So she and I were talking offline a little bit about being um, a Yankee fan in California, kind of different. So that's a wonderful book also. But let, let's get to, to Jane as quickly as we can, so let me t- finish telling you a little bit more about her. She was born and raised in Scarxdale, um, New York, and Jane graduated summa cum laude, Phi Beta Kappa, from the University of Rochester with a degree in classics, studied creative writing at the Annenberg School of Communications, and was a book publishing executive in Manhattan, promoting best-selling offers before becoming one herself. She and Michael currently make their home in Santa Barbara, California, where, she, where Jane is at work on a, on a very new novel that she's working on. She brings life. Um, she brings wit. She brings um, wisdom. And she's um, someone who has been a keynote speaker. I'm going to try to get her to be one here at ASAP real soon. Um, for hospice fundraising and for illness-specific support groups, um, she manages to discuss even the most difficult sensitive subjects with an upbeat, we-can-do-this attitude. That's why it's been my honor um, and my honor to invite Jane to uh, Life is a Sacred Journey because anyone who knows me believes that every aspect of our life is important from the time we're born to the time that we we die. But the reality is I believe that every experience, whether it's good, bad, however you want to measure or label it, is an experience that makes you better and helps you to grow and gives you insight to everything moving forward from that experience. And so it is my honor as your host here today at Life is a Sacred Journey to greet and thank my new friend, Jane Heller, to... um, to the show and thank you Jane for taking time out of your evening to be with me and the rest of my twelve thousand member family to talk about your book and to talk about just your some of your wisdom points around um caregiving. So Jane, good evening and welcome.
1: Good evening and I just I just have to say, first of all, happy birthday, happy anniversary to like Sacred journey. That's wonderful. And second of all, Michelle, I have to just tell you, I was sitting back listening to your intro in awe. I, I said, this woman needs to have her own TV show. This woman is the most inspiring. I mean, you made me want to go buy my book. <laughs> you're you're you still you're, can, you're really wonderful, so I thank you for the work that you do and for the um passion that you bring to it.
2: Well, I thank you so much for saying that, and you know the one of the things that has been so delightful for me in this this year is that this this uh broadcast has allowed me the privilege and opportunity to meet people not just like you all over the country i mean i 'm such a fighter of technology that this but but this technology has opened up my world to all of these incredibly human beings who are out there trying to make a difference, you being one of them, and I just am honored and humbled that that you feel that uh, I'm making a difference. That's all this is about. It's not about, you know, Michelle Pope as a person. At the end of the day, I still go home and put my nasty stinking slippers on
0: and (laughs) hang out
2: with my dog. But (laughs) during the time that I'm out in the world, it's about making a difference and being the difference and being something different that people can look at and say, you know, I'm not I don't wanna be Michelle Pope because there's only one of us, um, uh, one of me, uh, but I'd like to adopt some of those ideas to see if it will change the way I'm looking at my situation. And I from your book I feel that that, that is something that I got from that. Am I am I, um, misthinking that or is that no. kind
1: of I I think you you've nailed it. I, you know, I didn't set out the 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 others of my books except for the Yankees book that you mentioned, that was <laughs> my first non-fiction book. Um but my others are novels. My others were, you know, I I, I romantic comedies that I made up. I mean, they're all mm-hmm. different stories, they're not part of a series. And I I had no uh, thoughts of writing about my life um mm. until my editor on the Yankees book came to me and told me that she was acquiring wellness books. And I literally said to her, oh, what's a wellness book? And Mm. she said, "Um, well, they have to do with making your life better, making you live better. And they can, I mean, she gave me the range of topics. And I said, well, you know what? Um, I do know something about caregiving. And she said, "Of course, you do. you've been married to Michael all this time, and your mom and and all of that and i so we came up with this hybrid, which is as you pointed out, you know partly my experience and my journey, but also um, I went out to the field and I talked to experts um you know the therapists, the meditation teachers the you name it i I talked to them." on top of which i wanted to get a what i call it the round table of other caregivers i have my mm. little my little greek chorus here some are famous some are not some are dealing with a parent with alzheimers some have a husband who has um ms some mm. one has a child with anorexia i mean on and on it went but our shared experiences were strikingly similar so there's a there's a full range of things i learned and i grew from in the course of writing the book so it was a win-win for me and i just hope that others feel the same
0: Well there, you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Well, I I just want to say to you that one of the things that I felt um when I looked at the book and read read the book was the range of and you just spoke to that that you did sort of get this round table of wisdom and experiences and brought them all together and and then filtered that through your own experience and so when you were doing that were you looking for a more holistic understanding of caregiving or were you really just trying to figure out you know what this whole caregiving that whole word really means
1: um a little of both but i think in in general what i wanted was um I didn't want this to be just my story. I wanted other voices. I mm-hmm. wanted other perspectives. Um somebody's idea of self-care may not be mine. Um yeah. and I wanted also I wanted my own support group. I didn't one of the things I didn't do all these years was join a support group uh for for people who have someone in their family with Crohn's disease. Um, And so by connecting with these dozen people, I found my own support group, whether, again, we were talking about MS or autism (laughs) or this or that, uh, cancer, um, you know, which is in many cases now a chronic illness. Uh, We were all in this together, and I was so interested in hearing Okay, how do you you mentioned sleep earlier? How do mm-hmm. you get to sleep? How do you find time? I mean, Victor Garber is a famous actor. How does he find time to exercise? Does he meditate? I mean, I just wanted to know, in the same mm-hmm. way I guess the reporter wants to know. So mm-hmm. I put it out there.
2: Well, when did you first find out that you were going to be a, a lifetime caregiver to your to your husband, your partner, your mate?
1: Oh, it was such fun, Michelle. (laughs) It was so not fun. I was, um, I was, I had just met Michael, and he was this handsome photographer, sailor, outdoorsy type. Um, He was the picture of health to me. Mm -hmm. And I fell madly, really, really madly in love. And uh, I used to tell him, I have a a high school silly crush on you.
0: And, (laughs) um.
1: One night over dinner, he casually mentioned that he had something called Crohn's disease and I said, "What's that? I've never heard of it." He said, "Oh, it's nothing. It's a gastrointestinal uh, thing and it's a chronic illness, but I'm I'm doing real well." So, I dismissed it. Didn't think about it. Um until we were leading up to um getting married and uh one day he he had he was just Violently, violently ill, and I, I said, "What do I do? What do I do?" And he said, well, "And anyway, we went to the ER, and and it finally hit me that Crohn's was not no big deal, that this mm-hmm. was going to be my life." He informed me that he was diagnosed at age eleven, that he had he had had oh maybe a hundred hospitalizations. Uh, mm. 30 surgeries, so this was going to be my life. And I I flashed back to my mother, whose life I admired but did not want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I said, well, yeah. that's fine for her. And also, I grew up in the 50s, um, which was a time when children were not told about anything. You that's never right, me. mentioned <laughs> the C-, C word nothing unpleasant. And so there was no term called caregiver. My mother was simply a dutiful, loving wife who took care of business. Mm -hmm. And I watched her do it, and I just said, this is not for me. And then suddenly it was for me because we don't choose this role. It is thrust upon us because we love the people we love, whether they are parents or grandparents or spouses or children. And so I said, all right, this is my life. I better figure it out.
2: Well, and then and did you, it, was there ever any at that point, and, and again, if I'm, I'm getting too personal, forgive me and tell me so, was there ever any point in there that you said, um, I'm not going to do this?
1: Um to be really honest with you no i i didn't i i i real- i was in denial about it at first mm-hmm. and i and I was dramatic I was a drama queen in the beginning i one of the things i tell i think it's the first chapter or so is yes. how to how to avoid the freak out i i- I was not able to control my emotions which not only was not good for me but not good for michael i um, i didn't understand that there's a time and a place to cry and to be angry and um so i i was not good at that and i but i never for a minute said i'm i'm stepping stepping out of this i don't think it's for me i i knew that i was in it the vows say in sickness and in health and um, and it's more than vows. It's you love this person. You want to help. And I think caregivers just want to help. Right. Um, and so a lot of times we feel helpless, which causes problems. But uh, we'll get to that.
2: Well, that's the, yeah, You when you're a caregiver, you're talking um, about something, of course, that's near and dear to my heart, working with caregivers who are loving their family members through this journey of memory loss or Alzheimer's or dementia, whatever term we, we are using um, these days. Uh, one of them, one of the, the important issues and the the raising concern for those of us that work in this field or, or want to be, you know, around folks that are dealing with caregiving is that, that we notice that they're not taking care of themselves first. And we use all of these wonderful little anecdotes and stories. You know, one of the things that's in one of my presentations is the whole idea of when you're on a plane, they tell you put your your oxygen mask on before you help the child or the person sitting next to you because you're no good if you pass out. Blah blah blah. But you know, even that uh, doesn't get people to really understand the true true meaning of the true idea of taking care of yourself first because we come from a place of I have to help my loved one first. I got to be the best that I can be for them. I will neglect myself in order to to do that. So, can you talk about that in in a way, I mean, is that self-indulgence or is that really just I'm caught up in the priority of this and and I can't I don't have time to think about my health? Or is it a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, I, I I yes. The answer is yes, it is a little mm-hmm. bit of both. I think I have a theory that care a good caregiver is also a really compulsive um doer, be, a multitasker because we're trying to do I mean most of us have to work.
0: We yeah. work
1: and we are caregivers. We we have lives and we are caregivers. And so we're trying to get it all done. Um many caregivers are caregiving children and parents. So right. they're in that so-called sandwich generation. So, um, you know, it, part of it is we don't have time. We say, mm-hmm. we tell ourselves, but that's why, um, and, and certainly that was the case for me. It didn't sink in. People would say, um, do you want to come out for, for lunch? You haven't eaten? And I'd say, oh, no, no, because it, Michael in uh, 2010, for example, was in the hospital four times with two surgeries. So I was there a lot, and... Um, you know, I, I kept saying, well, I, I what if he needs me? What if they call me? Um, and I was told, well, they have your cell phone. You can be there in a minute. And I said, no, no, no. I have to plant myself in the chair right outside the, you know, the surgery. And I just was very compulsive that way. I didn't even get up and take a walk, you know, outside or a walk down the hall. I just... I just was so focused on his care that I couldn't – I would cancel my doctor's appointments. Um, I I ate poorly. I didn't sleep. And, and it all came back to bite me. And I think you're absolutely right when you say, you know, we can hear the anecdotes about, what, you know, the oxygen mask and all of those things and the statistics. How many people – how many caregivers – die oh, before yeah. the person that they're caregiving. We know yeah. this, but until the doctor says to you, uh-oh, you know, you've got a problem here. Uh-oh, you yourself need surgery and if you hadn't put this off, maybe you wouldn't have. Well, then you you wake up.
0: You know, mm-hmm. and that's what
1: happened to me. I neglected some skin cancers. I ended up needing a hysterectomy. Um, mm. So... You know, Michael became my caregiver, which was quite interesting. Um, wow. He had a he had me as a role model, and he said that that helped him. So that was kind of fun to switch positions. But um, you know, we can't we can't neglect our health. It's as simple as that. We cannot. But well, when you when you had that
2: that aha moment, I mean, yours was something that your body was basically sending out um signals of disease um by 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 giving you a diagnosis it's like i'm not happy i'm not happy but were there subtle messages along the way before any diagnosis was ever administered that you knew um in your heart of hearts but just didn't overcome the the yeah. the you know i don't know the compelling part of your dna that says no i got to do it this way
1: yes exactly right i I I had a I mean I could look in the mirror I could see that there were there were spots on my body that needed attention. I I had skin cancer in the past. I I I just didn't I said I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And what I what I have learned now in addition to you know stop being in denial is we don't need to take a month off. We don't need to take a week off. We don't need to take a day off. We don't even need to take an hour off. But 20 minutes? I mean, Mm. 20 minutes is manageable and doable and necessary. And that's why among the list of things that I suggest for people is, is a mental vacation. You can't get away. No, you can't go away with your friends. You can't you know that's that's understandable but you can take 20 minutes and mm-hmm. go somewhere that's quiet or or take a walk or turn on the TV and watch something that makes you laugh um mm-hmm. you can read a book that that engrosses you you can meditate you can, whatever helps you escape is not only a good thing, but it's a necessary thing. And it works. It Those 20 minutes can make you feel transported. And what they do is they make you a, a better caregiver because then you go back into the battle and you have more energy and you have more compassion for the person that you're caring for. So it it works mm-hmm. for both. It really does.
2: I love that because... Um, Quite honestly, Jane, you know, um, you and I have just become new friends, um, but that is one of my biggest problems. I can never make time for for me. I can always make time, even when I don't have time, for the need of, of somebody else. Um, and that's just a part of – I think it's a part of being born in the 50s, actually. When you said that you were a child of the 50s, so am I. And I, I just think there's something about being born in that, those um, – I'm going to call the magical disciplined years
1: <laughs> that yeah.
2: we came out of that um because all my friends that are in their their fifties uh late fifties and and whatever are we're all like that we're very driven when it comes to something that we're compassionate or passionate about, but we don't do that same compassion and passion for ourselves, so I think it it is indicative of that that era of of parenting um and how we were raised and and all of that. But when you were, the comment that you made that really that touched me just now was about the 20 minutes, but did, did a physician ever tell you that prior to you having ill uh, symptoms yourself?
1: Never. Just
2: when you became a caregiver and they recognized that you were a caregiver to Michael, did any doctor, any of Michael's doctors say, you know what, Jane, you're going to have to do this for yourself?
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino. dot com. That's chumbacasino.com. dot com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.
1: Never, I, yeah. I never, I mean, never. That's never. weird to me. Don't you think no. that's weird, Jane? Um, you know, I it's changed. First of all, yeah. this this whole journey that we're discussing started. Uh, Michael and I just separate uh, celebrated our twenty second anniversary. So we 22 years in things mm-hmm. were different than they are now. There's such a greater awareness mm-hmm. of the caregivers um needs than there ever were. So I'll go to go with Michael to a doctor's appointment and his gastroenterologist will turn to me and say, "And how are you doing?" Excellent. That did not happen in the good old days. So mm-hmm. we've come. We've come a ways. We've 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 mm-hmm. seen progress here.
2: And I think that we're beginning. I know here up in in the Berkeley area, up at UC Berkeley, and a lot of the medical schools that I have the privilege of. Um, Teaching some classes or teaching philosophies of care, um, we're really starting to focus in before they even get to the place where they're, you know, where they're fledgling, wanting to be doctors and scientists and people. Because we we were so focused on teaching the science that we forgot that the science was been uh, the human part of the science. And and so I think you're right, and I um I think that we're beginning to understand that it's a the whole approach of care and the person caring for the person who's getting the diagnosis is just as important, if not more, than um, the person who is ill. Because you need to be there when nobody else is around. I mean, you're well, you're, you're the the sole um, lifter of spirit, taker of care. I mean, you're it and that dependency what does that do to the relationship did, did the dependency of michael needing you change your loving relationship in any way or did you you learn to overcome that i mean i know the answer to it but for the sake of of our audience how did how did you stay his
1: wife the um it's tricky <laughs> because there is i was resentful there were times when i was resentful and um and i ta- i'd tell this story you know i sh- i should say that before i turned in this manuscript to the publisher um i made sure that michael read and approved of every word i would never write about our our life together without his okay and mm-hmm. there were a couple of things that he was um a little bit um queasy about and I said, Well you think about it, if you don't want these in, they're out. Mm-hmm. I them out. And one of them had to do with the question you asked, which is, how do you how do you stay married? How do you um sort of keep that intimacy going, the love yeah. um when it when the relationship is tested over and over and it is not easy and we mm-hmm. had quite a journey and i and I give a story that he you know he was he was kind of oh, I don't know about that one. let me think about it. He said, and then he came back to me a day later, and he said, "You know what, if it'll help somebody else, leave it in and so I did and and the story mm. that comes to mind is, um we had been through Michael was on at one time a a cocktail of drugs and and the side effects were turning him into somebody i didn't like at all and mm. and this is a chapter actually in the book because we all deal with this whether uh, you know it's my mom with dementia um you know she has her sundowners in the in the oh yeah afternoon. she turns into uh, you know a uh, a person that i don't recognize mm-hmm. and michael uh, on high doses of prednisone steroids um he He's this normally gentle soul who it was dr Jekyll and mr hyde and i yeah. i I couldn't take it i I really couldn't and i there was that on top of getting off of that drug which caused a a severe depression in him and i you know i I just didn't know what to do with myself on top of which I was feeling like such a drudge you know, the nurse, mm. the nag, the the that I, I had stopped being a woman, that I was simply this person that that gave care, who who did errands, who took care of everything. Mm-hmm. And one day, coinciding with all of that, I got a I got an email from an old boyfriend whom I hadn't seen in ten oh, wow. years. And uh well, I perked up I, 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 my heart was all a flutter, you know, and I, and I, I felt guilty and wonderful at the same time, and I, you know, my poor husband was in the hospital at the time, and I'm all, you know, I went into the bathroom, and I, I put lipstick on, it was 10 o'clock at night, Michelle, I mean, it
2: was, uh, I I love you for that, Jane, I hope it was red. It was,
1: and I. I, I mean, it's embarrassing to, to to tell the story, but it was true. And I, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, how do I answer? What do I do? Um, he, it was, it was not suggestive. The email; it was just reaching Hi. out and saying hello, how are you? But that was enough to to make me crazy. Mm-hmm. So the next day, I, I feeling sort of guilty, I went to the hospital and I, I said to Michael, well, you know. Remember, so-and-so, you've heard about me, you know, you've heard me talk about him. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, he, he sent me an email. And he was so not interested. He was mm. so focused on not feeling well that I yeah. thought, oh, okay, well, I told him. You know, I'm off the hook. I told him. So then I, wrote, I came back and I wrote the guy back. And we had an exchange that went back and forth. And it, I have to tell you, it was like being in seventh grade, I mm-hmm. I felt excited. Uh, I felt like a woman. I felt like somebody valued me as someone who might be attractive um, that didn't have a nurse's cap on 24-7. Yeah. And so at the point at which the email said, oh, when can we get together, that's when I said never. Um, mm-hmm. No, no, I, I didn't mean to. Mislead you here, but I'm I'm very much married, and that was the end of that, and it, and and the end of even thinking about that. Um, mm-hmm. But it but it happens, and I and when I interviewed the other caregivers in the book, one of them told me a very similar story. Her husband had Alzheimer's. Um, she also was taking care of her father, who was in his nineties. Um and he was not doing well, and she had a daughter that was sick. I mean, she had the full monty of problems. And one day, an old boyfriend called her and said, "I'm going to be in town," and she got so excited. It she was, oh, I wonder if he'll think I'm fat. I wonder if you know he'll think I've looked. I've aged. Um, it gave her something to look forward to that had to do with her. Yeah. And, And then he didn't come. His trip was canceled. And she said the disappointment was so palpable that it threw her, you know. Mm -hmm. But we all need to know that we can connect with Mm -hmm. somebody. There's, There's a high incidence of caregivers, and one of them is also in the book. Her husband had a stroke in his 40s, and he was not able to talk or walk, and she took care of him for years and was in a support group and is happily ever after. Her husband has since passed away. She's happily ever after with a man she met in the support group. Mm-hmm. And and why not? Why not find mm-hmm. happiness where you can? I, I well, believe in that. I believe that, and I also, you know, we,
2: I, I, I hope, listeners, you're joining me today with um Jane Heller who has written an incredible book you better not die or i'll kill you as well as some other wonderful novels i invite you to go to her website where you can really um explore her writings but you know what i am um, i jane what something that you just said to me or to the audience and me um the need to be out of a role that you're constantly in. You know, I tell people all the time, there is a reason that I don't live and work in the same county. And people always say, but you have such a long commute. I said, I know. But when I go home, I am Michelle Pope, just Michelle Pope. Not Michelle Pope, CEO, radio broadcast person, author, the you know, all those titles and hats that I wear by being um by choosing I mean and and I have chosen my life and I and I and I'm thankful and passionate about it but it, it it's the moments that I need to just be Michelle Pope the female the person that laughs the person that eats a whole bar of dark chocolate in her room sitting in the middle of the bed with a glass of wine and grapes yes I do that that I am a normal human being and that my you know that is what you're talking about that Caregiving, while it is a part of being the spouse or being the 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 dutiful daughter or the sandwich generation, which you talked about earlier in um, in this conversation, but you still you and you still need to foster your spiritual self, your physical self. That's what your book is basically saying. But you're also saying it's okay that you have those. Butterfly feelings when somebody takes a look at you and says, "You know, I find you attractive." That's fine. I mean, we all have barriers that we don't cross, but it's okay to acknowledge that somebody found you attractive, even though you may be caregiving to caregiving for your spouse. I mean, right. th- it, that's not a taboo that we should no. be mad at ourselves no. or feel guilty, right?
1: Isn't that what right, you're right, saying? It, you you hit it on the head. We have to acknowledge that we're still us um, and that we, we, you know, we're going to have feelings, whatever they are. But if you're involved in spousal caregiving, the challenge, among others, is to keep the connection between you and the person you're caring for. You know, people have said to me, well, how do you and Michael um, stay intimate? And, you know, intimacy is a very broad term. I know. There, there are there are many ways to be intimate with somebody you're caring for. One of them is simply um, coming up with a, a way to communicate that is just yours, yours mm-hmm. and that person's. Michael, you know, Crohn's disease is, is it can be a very embarrassing, difficult to discuss illness because it involves spending an awful lot of time in the bathroom. And Mm -hmm. when Michael, and here's where using humor comes in, Michael, um, when when he was really not doing well, would spend would spend a lot of time in the bathroom, and he would he would come out of there and he'd say, "Well, I just had a situation." and i said oh that's funny let's call the bathroom the situation room which um is not not only a wolf blitzer's um cnn yeah. show but what the president calls you know they call the room where all he and, he and his advisors go for important conversations um mm-hmm. and so now he'll he'll just say i'm going into the situation room and we laughed because These are things that make us giggle, but they're also things, it's our code language that we have
0: with each other.
1: Um, You know, touch is a big, big thing that I recommend to people. If if people are listening and they take nothing else away from this, do not forget to touch the person you're caring for. I had nurses and uh, people in assisted living facilities tell me that, You know, we we sit in the chair, the visitor's chair, Mm -hmm. and we look at our phone, and we we send emails and texts, and we browse the Internet, and we forget that there's a person in the bed. Mm -hmm. Go get up. Go give the person a neck massage. Comb their hair. Hold their hand. Mm -hmm. um, Put your hand along their cheek. um, Touch the person you love and that is that's intimacy right there
2: well you know what i just did a whole um a whole training class on compassionate touch and one of the things that we had to do which was very embarrassing to to me um i wear a size 12 shoe and i have a bunion that is looks like like mount diablo growing out of my um uh, right foot <laughs> And they made us take off our shoes, and we were to wash each other's feet, which is a very spiritual thing, and, and if you want to take it all the way into to uh, religion, you can. But the reality, this, wasn't a, this was not a religious training. This was just about being intimate and being compassionate with other people. And once I got over the embarrassment and this woman washed my feet, I have to tell you, this is a woman who I did not know. But we are still now very connected because she touched me and she touched me in a place that normally nobody touches other right. than myself and the dog right. of course um, right. so so um it was it was this moment where it's exactly what you're talking about where this human connection took place because there were no words we weren't allowed to talk we were only at the end of the experience allowed to share how it made us feel and after i got over the awkwardness of it wow this this openness and this this reality of that the human touch is the the connection that goes beyond words goes beyond um a lot of things that we normally talk about it it and what you're saying is that can also go all the way to the place of intimacy because you know in our country we've forgotten that sexual intercourse doesn't necessarily mean intimacy. You know, That's I did right. a whole show on that, and we've got it all confused and backwards. So <laughs> if we could just start touching each other, we would find that intimacy actually does, um, doesn't al- it doesn't always lead to, and actually almost 98% of the time, isn't the actual act of sex- sexual intercourse. It's about being present with somebody.
1: Exactly. And, you know, um, I give an example that Michael and I, uh we each were going through our own medical crises, and we we got into bed to go to sleep and um we just reached out our hands and and clasped hands and mm, the the mm. act of touch it makes you feel less like a like a a a, a what did I say before a drudge, you know yeah. And and the other person less like a burden, and mm-hmm. it just puts you on more equal footing. So you are there, you are present, as you said, and yeah, it's I, a connection. Mhm, mhm. Well, it's
2: just and 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 you know, it's it's that thing that we do so readily for children, but we we have a tendency to back off from it when the person is an adult or an elder or somebody who has a disease that we. Deep down in the cockles of our soul are actually very afraid of, yeah, I think fear don't you think fear Jane plays a I major do. role in all of this? the unspoken fears
1: yeah you you said how awkward it was with the feet washing um mm-hmm. i I recommend yoga for people that can have access to it i I discovered yoga during my journey here and i when everybody said oh self-care self-care and the first time my yoga teacher you know rubbed my feet or or my neck i i thought well yeah i I mean she goes around doing this this is this is great Um, but it but it but i but it's if you're not used to it it's um you know, there there is a we put up such barriers. Um, when I was and, and and the same is true, even to the point of making eye contact with with other oh. people. I mean, it's it's shocking that I had to, I I became a hospital volunteer, and I in our orientation training, one of the things they taught us was um, when you when you walk into a room to visit a patient. Always make eye contact. You'd be surprised. Right. They said how many people do not look other people in the eye because they're afraid. They're afraid of that connection.
0: And mm-hmm. you know, I learned
1: that, and that now when I walk down the street, I'll I'll look at someone and I'll I'll smile and say hello, a stranger, and they'll look at me like I'm nuts. Because <laughs> um, people aren't used to it. They just don't. No. Nope.
2: Nope. No? And it it's so funny again, you know, when you're talking, um and, and I'm I'm looking at the at our time together and of course it, it always happens to me that I, I want to talk from four hours with my guests and, and um our guest today has been uh Jane Heller. She's an author uh author and she has opened my heart um, with her books, um, but most specifically our topic today has been her most recent book, You'd Better Not Die or I'll Kill You. And again, as I said, with the holiday season coming, I always feel that you give something to someone that helps them in their journey for the next year and, you know, go buy some sage, give them a yoga tape, and give them the you better not die book or I'll kill you. And I think you've covered every aspect of what a caregiver needs um, to get through the holiday season because that can be a hard time for them as well. But before we end our time with Jane, I want to ask you, Jane, about one of the things that we've touched on briefly is, but you've talked a lot in your book and you and I talked offline a little bit about humor. And one of the things that has been disheartening for me in the 20 years that I've worked with families with Alzheimer's and dementia is that they get so bogged down in the minutia of the caregiving that they forget to see, to realize, to expect humor and joy um, in their relationship with their loved one. Can you give, um, in the, the last couple of seconds that we have before we close, your feelings on that, or some tips on how to keep. And again, you're not laughing at your your loved one. You're you're laughing or you're creating because isn't doesn't humor come out of emotion?
1: Humor is the other side. You know, laughing is the other side of crying. Which, by the mm-hmm. way, I also recommend in the book because I think we need to cry. People are afraid to cry. It's okay. That's the be a um, cry baby. I love yep. that section. Yep. but the humor <laughs> it, humor actually has a physical component it when you laugh it lowers your cortisol level cortisol being the stress hormone so i, I was told this by some by one of the experts even the act of faking laughter lowers oh, your cortisol oh. it's it's quite remarkable so uh talk about self care but also we need to step back and look at the absurdity sometimes of the situations in which we're living. I mean, you know, if my mom says, uh, forgets who somebody is, and, I mean, if we had more time, I'd tell you the wonderful story about my mom forgot to be mad at her sister. Um, You know, my mom is now 97. Her sister is about to turn 100. Oh, my God. They didn't speak for ten years michelle and wow. then and then one day, my mother, because she doesn't remember things, forgot that she doesn't speak to her sister. She picked up the phone and called her and they and my aunt has the same uh problems, uh-huh. so they started chatting like old buddies now they have sleepover <laughs> dates now they're ba- so the upside of, of dementia is you forget to be mad at your sister. These are the funny, there are funny, funny moments, and you have to step back and say, well, this is crazy.
2: Yeah. Uh, of course
1: I'm going to laugh at this. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it, but but it's, it's also healthy and wonderful to laugh. Mm-hmm. And you're depriving yourself of that joy if you Let's are not laughing.
2: And crying. Um, You know, I just recently myself went through a health experience that was very shocking to me, and I'm happy to say that I've I've gone through it well. But I had a moment where I hit the wall, and I just had to cry. I mean, sobbed to the point of, like, I couldn't even stop. But then after the five minutes of this, like, really desperate sobbing, I have to tell you, I felt so much better. Well, you know, because of course the energy that I was having around this situation was just stuck inside every part of my DNA and the crying was like a cleansing, it was like a rain, you know?
1: Yes, and the expert that I talked to said the trick is that you you have to know why you're crying. There are people who cry when they're happy and they cry when they're sad and they don't really understand why they're crying. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're crying, give a purpose to it in the sense that you come out of that five minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it is, and you say, look at this. I sobbed my guts out, but I'm still here. Yeah. I didn't disintegrate. I, I'm i still me. So you, can, you realize that you can cry and not fall apart. They're two mm-hmm. different things. They really are.
2: Well, Jane, we are at the end of our show, and I just want to um, say publicly I need you to come back because we're not done. We, You and I need at least two hours to, to talk about and, and more, um, and and we need to have you back more often. So I will be in touch with uh, our producer because I think you have a wealth of information to share for with our caregivers, and we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. So we need to get you back. Um, um, on the show. I want to thank uh, Jane Heller for, for being my guest today here at Life is a Sacred Journey. I want to thank all of you for being a part of this incredible vision and mission with me. And Jane, um, I I humbly and just want to say to you what an incredible example of um, the spirit, the human spirit that you allowed the power and the, war, the warrior in you to get through this caregiving experience, and now you're being an example to those who are caregivers today and those who are yet to be caregivers. And I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom today with, with me and uh, our listeners, and I, I pray that, that you will be willing to come back on the show because you are definitely what... Um, what we need for our caregivers that listen to the show and keep coming back. So Anytime. I wanna
1: Anytime. send that
2: out to you. So hang in there with me for a minute, Jane. As what, as you know, um, uh listeners, we always end the show by looking for a piece of poetry or a writing that um that will help you and enlighten you. And so today, as a uh as a courtesy to the poet Rashani Ray, I'm reading um Julian Tarante, another dear spiritual friend Um, gave this to me in a book, and it reads, There is a brokenness out of which comes the unbroken, a shatteredness out of which blooms the unshatterable. There is a sorrow beyond all grief which leads to joy, and a fragility out of whose depths emerges strength. There is a hollow space, too vast for words, through which we pass with each loss out of whose darkness we are sanctioned into being. There is a cry deeper than all sound whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside which is unbreakable and whole while learning to sing. As caregivers, it is your obligation to learn to sing. There is a new language, there is a new chord that you must embrace in order for to get through the caregiving experience, and you can do that, and you have the resources available to you to do that. And um, Jane Heller's book, again, You'd Better Not Die or I'll Kill You, is one of those resources. But dig, 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 dig deep down inside your soul and never, ever, ever give up. Be a warrior in your, in your life. And thank you again for being a part of my life. And, Jane, thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I wish you and Michael continued love in your, in your caregiving, but also more in your partnership, in your union together. You both are a testament of what can happen when people truly love and love beyond physical, love beyond, it's the unconditional love that many of us are searching for. So thank you for being an example of that to me, and to um, all of my guests. So as I end this show, I wish you well, Jane, and, and let's talk soon, please. I would It would be my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So you have a good evening. Give Michael a hug for me. Tell him I look forward to speaking and meeting him someday. So give I him will. a hug from Michelle Pope and, and all of us. And thank you again, everybody. Be good to your And remember that the person that you see in the mirror is the person that you take out into the world. So smile at yourself so you can smile at the rest of us. Jane, be blessed, and thank you again for being with us. And to all of you out there, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll see you again at Life is a Sacred Journey. And again, I'm your host, Michelle Pope. Be well.